yeah, indeed. It's your boy, BC, the Brian Campbell, back at it with bonus content this week on the CBS Sports Pro Wrestling Podcast. Yes, that same podcast that each week is sponsored and underwritten by the one and only upbeat and never lonely, that performance-enhancing audio. Yes, get ready, fill the syringe, insert it, get juice, get fired up. We are back at it, and today, look, folks, I've got one heck of a fun interview to share with you. As I was blessed enough late last week in Manhattan to get a sit-down with one of the most recognizable names and faces in all of Hollywood, and not to mention one of the most polarizing in the history of professional wrestling. He's a writer, producer, director, fourth-generation actor from one of Hollywood's royal families. But you know him well as the former WCW World Heavyweight Champion, David Arquette, who, hey, you want to talk about performance-enhancing audio? This guy was electric in a wild, honest, energetic interview on his very serious return to professional wrestling at age 47. This is no joke, folks. David Arquette is back in, jumping into the deep end, ready to go. And maybe more importantly, he's going to talk to you about the roots, the origins of why he chose to make this decision in the search for redemption within this art form of pro wrestling that he loves so much 18 years after he wore that scarlet letter and became the punchline of sports entertainment when he speared Eric Bischoff and added himself to the long and historic lineage of WCW champions, which, you know, includes the likes of Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair, Sting, Vader, Goldberg, Ricky Steamboat, on and on, and of course, David Arquette. So the questions are going to be hard-hitting. Did the years of ridicule on social media get to him? Well, you're going to find out as Arquette pulls no punches talking about who killed WCW, what his end game is in returning to the ring at such an advanced age. Hey, what he thinks about today's WWE product and whether he is angling to eventually do business with them. Arquette bears all, including what it feels like to take a bump, which current top independent wrestlers might be next on his hit list, and which WWE Hall of Famer he recently added a tattoo of on his shoulder. You're going to want to check that out. So be on the lookout later this week as the full video interview is uploaded to the CBS Sports YouTube channel. And be sure to check out Arquette's future projects coming your way on the big screen, which include a role opposite Oscar winner Richard Dreyfus in Roadkill McGillicuddy, as well as upcoming films Appalachian, where he portrays the real-life story of state trooper Ed Crosswell, and The Miseducation of Bindu, not to mention another film, Dr. Bird's Advice for Sad Poets, David Arquette, a busy man behind the camera, in front of it, jumping off the top rope onto James Ellsworth, as you're about to find out. He's also the global ambassador for the Elizabeth Taylor AIDS Foundation, a charitable man. And he was very charitable in his time this week, talking about that great passion of wrestling. So it's just about time to welcome in the former star of Scream, the former husband of Courtney Cox, and the former WCW champ for 12 glorious days back in the year 2000. Be sure to hang on on the back end of this show as your weekly pro wrestling co-host, the Silver King, Adam Silverstein, drops by for a fun bonus wrap-up of everything the former champ, Mr. David Arquette, had to say. And hey, be sure to be kind and rewind by giving back to the show in the only way you know how, the only way that matters. And that's with a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you consume fine audio we're giving it to you for free. No questions asked. No hidden strings attached. All you got to do, tell us what you like about the show. Hey, drop a little line in there. Say, hey, BC's my guy, you know? Maybe, you know, come on. Whatever you got to do. It's all up to you. But without any further ado, the business behind us, let's get talking to the old days, the good old days, WCW with the actor, entertainer, wrestler, the man, David Arquette. Enjoy. Not every day you get to sit next to Hollywood royalty, a member of a royal family, a writer, director, producer, actor. But it's still real to me, damn it. It's, it's real so, to me, too. WCW, former world heavyweight champion David Arquette. Thanks for joining us, man. Hey, when you, you hear that, it's, it still resonates, right? Yeah, yeah, I still get a little... 
butterflies in my stomach. <laughs> Got so much I want to talk to you. Your, your future projects, your return to wrestling, real legitimate return to pro wrestling at age 47. Yeah. But people would kill me if I didn't hit you with the big one first. If I didn't put you on trial right here, nobody puts baby in the corner but me and Swayze. <laughs> and I got to go off the top. Okay. Who killed WCW? Was it you or was it Vince Russo? You got to come real. You got to come real with it. It was, uh, it was, uh, I think it was AOL Time Warner. <laughs> there was some merger going on. I don't know. I think, uh, uh, I'm not exactly sure. I mean, Vince Russo knows the story and Eric Bischoff tells the story really well. He's got a great new podcast, uh, 83 Love weeks that. where Love he explains that. it. So I, th- I think I'd go there for the real advice. Uh, Ted Turner sort of like stepped down a little and he was the one who was really kind of behind, uh, wrestling, uh, you know, through his whole company. I don't know. It's a whole, you know, and I say it as a joke because it's become your legacy in wrestling. So after yeah. 18 years, has it turned the corner where it's become in the eyes of the fans you come across nostalgic fun to say there's former WCW <laughs> world heavyweight champion, or is it still, no, you were never supposed to do that. What are you receiving these days? Well, it's happened, so you can't turn back the clock. Sorry, fellas. But, uh, no, I still love it. I mean, what I say is like, it was a kid's dream come true. It's my dream come true. I'm watching it and it's like, wow, it'd be amazing to be a champion. You know, Muhammad Ali said, you know, I'm the greatest. I think he was talking to everybody like, you're the greatest. Don't let anyone tell you different. So that's my philosophy. And, uh, it was a great experience. I got to tour the, you know, the United States with Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair. And, you know, I got to work with, uh, Macho Man Randy Savage and all these guys who are, I've always looked up to and, and Sting, you know, stayed Diamond Dallas Page. And so it's been a great experience. And I just love learning about wrestling, getting in there because I never had the opportunity to really train and really learn and really start to figure it out. And I'm still just scratching the surface. Now, admittedly, that 12-day run in the year 2000 as WCW champion came during a crazy, rocky time. Vince Russo on the book. The title was changing hands every other week. It would go vacant. But that's still the title. That's my favorite championship belt in in history. Me too. And I don't know why it's it's not, like, active. I mean, WWE owns it, so they could still make a a sort of old-school champion thing. But uh, NWA is back, and they're doing something with... uh, the 10 pounds of Billy gold. Corey, good yeah, stuff. really old school belt, so it's good to see it out there. Now, in the court of public opinion and pro wrestling fans who are very fickle, they get a lot of crap on you, but let's not forget, Jay Leno once put a Hulk Hogan in an arm bar. I mean, how, is, how does he get off scot-free? I and know. People, people exactly. are still deriding what, what you did. Kevin Federland also, like, you know, took someone down, too. So, you know, at least when I won it, I pinned Eric Bischoff, which, you know, is understandable. It's not like I pinned Pin Hogan or something. It was a WCW Thunder episode, of course. It came during the time you're promoting the now cult classic movie, Ready to Rumble. Yeah, and that's the interesting thing. A lot of the kids that saw it back in the day are now in their 30s. So it's like that's got a new appreciation. The movie's aged well. Are you yeah. still getting those checks? Are they still coming in? <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> like a 39 cent check, maybe, if that. All right, people would be interested in the genesis of that because from a wrestling standpoint, you're back, but it started with a bang. How did that idea happen when it was first conceived that you're going to show up on WC Thunder, WCW Thunder? You're going to oh, wow. promote your movie. How does it go from that to, no, you're going to spear Eric Bischoff and take the title from DDP? How does that happen? <laughs> I know. It was crazy. It was like uh, the idea was just to, for me to be involved to help promote the film, like when the film was coming out. And I had become friends with Diamond Dallas Page through working with him. And Shane Helms was my uh, – Hurricane Shane Helms was my – the stunt double and Chris Canyon did all the uh, stunts for Oliver Platt's character. So I got to know these guys a lot and they were like, come on out and do something and jump into the ring and yeah, it'll cause a little ruckus. And I did that and it got a, a big pop and that's sort of the main thing you're looking for is to really get the audience invested. So they thought, well, it'd be interesting. So they did like something else and, and that worked too. So they were like, you know what? Why don't you stay on to the pay-per-view and you're going to be the champ? And I was like, this is a terrible idea. <laughs> no, there's, there's so many more people that deserve it to me, obviously. And uh, yeah, DDP always gives gonna... you that credit. He says you were the guy who stood up and said, no, like you said, this is not a good idea. You, because of the respect for the business, I, I assume, as being a longtime fan. Yeah. Yeah, but I didn't know quite as like, 
I also looked at it as oh, this is a hilarious storyline. You know what? I'm, you not so hilarious in retrospect, but I thought it wasn't going to be taken as seriously, or uh, you know, people would think that it diminished the belt so much, or or this or that, or you know, got so much heat in the locker room for people being really upset about it. But I understand it because wrestling's about heritage and it's about you know history and and you you have to respect that and that's what I didn't take into consideration. But you know they they said you'll be able to travel with us and be a part of this for the next two weeks and go across the country and I'm walking through airports with Hulk Hogan just like and he's like hey like just he knows everyone. Is it your he, job to travel with the title? Yeah, you have to take the title with you. You can't check it. You have to carry it on. You can't lose it. They're like, don't lose it. I was like, what if I lose it? They said, you can't lose it. And I was like, okay. Well, I, I can. Actually, I'm the person, if I'm, anyone's going to lose it, it's me. But So that was nerve-wracking. Those 12 days and everything you've done in your wild and crazy awesome career, it, it, is, is there any way to describe those 12 days? I mean, where, was it uh, just full-on, can't believe I'm doing this insanity? Yeah. I mean, you know, a lot of, I've never been spit on more in my life. <laughs> I've never, uh, I was sitting there and I like to bring the, the belt out to the fans and have them take pictures with it and everyone's like, you know, be a part of it. And I was doing that one time and I get, boom, I get hit in the head with like a dirt, like a, like rock of dirt and it's all in my eye and I look up and there's this little kid. He's like, and he just gives, flips me the bird, and I'm like, oh. <laughs> he was just hated me with every inch of his heart. But that's, you know, that's also a reaction you want. You well, know, you, you, you want people. To, I mean, you had that catchphrase: you get on the mic and the fur coat, and be like, "Shut up!" <laughs> I mean, it was classic. So you're trying to draw that heel heat. Well, it. yeah. At the end, it worked. I mean, people did hate me. I mean, they've hated me for 18 years. They're like, "How dare you?" But uh, yeah. So I, as you know, there's not a lot of angles that people are talking about 18 years later, but that was one of them. It's the gobbledygooker and you. That's what they're still talking about all these years later. Now, oh, and then there was Judy Bagwell. Somebody mentioned Judy Bagwell. I was like, what is this Judy Bagwell thing there? And I go and I look it up on the internet and I'm part of it. It was, I drove a forklift out with Chris Canyon and Judy Bagwell's on top of it. Was yeah, there was, there was, like I said, there was a wild time at WCW. You yeah. did the locker room interview with Major Guns, and there's champagne popping off. There's a lot of entendres going on. There wild days. I know, yeah. All right, Man, no, we, I don't remember any of that. We know fans derided it, and it's become this cult moment, but locker room. Did you draw heat for, for that whole situation? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. There's there's a lot of people that were pissed off. And they you know, but I also did shoot, and I was like, I don't deserve this. Booker T deserves this. Certain people I wanted to, like... Make sure, like, uh, I showed them respect. But, uh, you know, people like Ray Mysterio were really cool. I was just really cool. And Booker T was really cool. And Chris Canyon was just such an amazing wrestler. I learned a lot from him. But I never had the opportunity to really train. And, and this round, it, it's, it's intense. Wrestling is no joke. I mean, people say it's choreographed or whatever, but it's, it's like, you know, choreographed MMA. It's really tough. Like, there are shots. I've broken three ribs. I got a black eye. I uh, just had surgery on my elbow. It's, it's intense, man. Now, you got to take me through the mindset. Now, after that appearance at WCW, 12 days later, you lose the title to uh, Jeff Jarrett. Yeah. At, uh, the, the, what was the name of that pay-per-view? That was Slamboree. Uh, Slamboree. Now, you go on Triple to- Triple Cage match. Yes, with DDP. You go on to obviously- And I'm sitting there, I'm in the bottom of the cage, and, and they never let me do anything. I, they just, because I couldn't hurt anybody, because it wouldn't, you know, be right if I hurt, you know, Jeff Jarrett, oh. I did get to give him a nut shot. Though. Oh, yeah, <laughs> the listen, slap nuts. Uh, yeah, yeah, but, uh, so they're on the second thing, and they're fighting around, and they're bleeding. And I'm looking up, and it's raining blood. There's like blood coming. <laughs> I was like, "This is professional." That was a, a tryout for Scream Five, I think. At that yeah, moment, right it was there. amazing. Well, well, speaking of that, you you go on obviously to continue your career from acting to behind the scenes, but obviously that itch for wrestling was still in you because yeah. you're now 47 and you're legitimately back on the indie scene, <laughs> taking dates. So, tell me the the life cycle mentally of when did this birth that you know maybe one day I will take this 
legitimately and go after it. Yeah, well, you know, back then there wasn't really the internet, and then the internet got going, and then everyone just kind of came out, and then I became the butt of everyone's joke. It's like, you know, that's the worst decision to making David Arquette the champion. I was just kind of sick of hearing it, and you know, writing anything, anything happens, and then David, you know. Uh, so I was just like, oh yeah, and I went to um, WrestleMania last year, and uh, Braun uh, gave the belt to a kid. Yeah, Nicholas. Like, uh, yes. yes, Nicholas. And then everybody was like, lit it up. Oh, oh. And I was like, wait a second. Then I went and found Nicholas. We took a picture together. Love that. And everybody was like, ah. And I was like, you know what? I'm gonna just try to shut some of these people up and. Well, I find that fascinating. Yeah. I, I made the joke off the top. It's still real to me, damn it. For yeah. that to, to, to hurt you, to, to make you want to find redemption. And this means you love the business this much. You love this art form that yeah. you, you didn't want to be the butt of this joke anymore. That, that, that's fascinating that, yeah. that you cared that much. And I wanted to learn more. I mean, I still want to learn more and I'm still learning something every day. Like you just, there's so much to learn and there's so much to stay on top of. There's so many interesting things going on in wrestling. And oh yeah. You're not watching Japan right now, brother. That's pretty intense wow. right now. Those, those guys are out of control how cool they are. Now you were at All In, which was a yeah. seminal moment right now in the wrestling scene because look, WWE has dominated the market essentially since somebody killed WCW. I'm not pointing fingers at all, but what I'm saying is right now the independent scene is as hot as it ever was. People like Cody Rhodes, the, uh, People like the Bullet Club. People like uh, like the brothers. They're Kenny yeah, Omega. Cody Rhodes always cheats. He like he's got Brandy there. You know. Okay. Listen, I had the same belt that your dad wore, Cody. I don't know. Did you ever? Get to, did he ever get to wear that belt? Not the. Uh, I'm not, not sure, Cody. So uh, you putting hard times on Cody right now? Yeah, I'm calling you out, Cody. Punk, come on. If I if I could, you know what? I take that back. I don't want to call you a punk. You're a great wrestler. Brandy's gorgeous. But you always cheat to win. And uh, if I can gain your respect, then I think I can gain the respect of the wrestling fans still out there. Some of them. There's always like going to be haters. This smells like money, David. Arquette. Yeah. Come on, Cody. Bring it. Unless you're scared, of course. Wow. Well, you were at All In, and this yes. was such a big moment because it's proving... That guys outside of WWE can draw giant crowds, can sell out a giant arena. Yeah. Are you on board where I am that this is a revolution right now? Yes. This is the third boom period, yes. period in modern... That's what it is! If you're not following wrestling right now, there are so many places you could see it. Fight TV, Powerbomb TV, uh, what else? New Japan, you got... Impact. Impact, Ring of Honor, and of course, the WWE Network has everything from the past and everything in the future. I mean, it is really a, a renaissance of wrestling. There's indie wrestling in every city across America, and you should go see it. You should support indie wrestling. There's amazing places to train, too, but it's hard on your body. So, I don't know. I might go into being a manager soon because I don't know if I can take these bumps much longer. But uh Well, the wrestling's changed. In 2000, when you're showing up in a match, people maybe were labeling you doing like an Andy Kaufman type thing. All these years later, this body type is a wrestler. Yeah, you, yeah. You're fitting in. You're in great shape. Oh, man. You're... I lost 40 pounds in four months getting into shape for all this. It's been an amazing road and just learning certain things. And, you know, I went on Stone Cold Steve Austin's podcast and he gave me advice. I was like... <laughs> You know, and I, I like busted a knuckle, <laughs> like, on RJ City's head when we first, uh, when we first fought. And he, he, he gave me a knee to the face in return. So, I don't know. It's, it's been a lot of fun. It's a really amazing time for wrestling. I think, uh, everyone out there should check it out. And, uh, I'm just glad to be a part of it. I mean, I went to, uh, uh, all in and then Stephen Amell was, was wrestling and he locked up and as soon as he locked up I said actors aren't supposed to wrestle <laughs> everyone in my area started cracking up but ultimately I'm really just a fan and you know I'm the fan's champion I'm the fan champion I'm the only fan that ever became a champion except for Nicholas but you know that, that's well, was he the champion really? Uh, I think we. I think that's yeah, he was I, of course he, he was. was but, but I he was the second <laughs> 
Yeah, that might be a match. I mean, we've seen you against James Ellsworth and Frank the Clown, but you and Nicholas, man, that maybe you know. tell the Lord. You know, uh, so Jerry the King Lawler and Brian Anthony fought at Northeast Wrestling. Good promotion. And uh, yeah, so I fought Brian Anthony before, and I was supposed to fight him again. I had to have surgery on my elbow, and got this film with uh, Richard Dreyfus. Sorry, King Brian Anthony, but. Uh, Jerry Lawler filled in for me and, and he's such a champion and it was an amazing victory and I hope all the, the fans enjoyed the surprise. They thought I wasn't going to be there and there I was. Look at this heel. Look at this heel right here. <laughs> Tell me what it was like when you, you, you took a couple dates this year. People can watch these matches yeah. on, on, on YouTube. And by the way, like not to, not to puff the bag as they say, but. Your technique is there. I mean, you're, like, this isn't a joke. You're, you're, no, your intentions are working so mentally. Nerves. Yeah. I'm sure you've done some stage work. You've certainly been in monster films. How, what are the nerves like entering a real wrestling match? It's a whole different ball game. It's such an interesting art form, and not enough people think of it as an art form. But you have to – there's this really interesting dynamic. Like, there's something different about doing a play than doing film. There's something different about doing a film than doing television. So you have to know all these little different degrees of level of performance of, you know, pushing it too far or when you can push it too far. And, you know, in film, it's easy because you could, you know, they can edit. So, you know, save you. But on this stage and in front of these people, you have to be really like big, but real. It's this really like cool world. And it is real. It's. More real than I ever knew it to be. So, you know, just getting out there and I'll do something in the ring and I'll like get upset and I'll walk back and I think like, oh, I'm like, look like a three-year-old the way I'm stomping <laughs> off. And then I look back at it and you can barely see my reaction. I'm like, in my head, that was the biggest, like, oh. but you literally have to like play to the top rafters, even if you're in just a little, <laughs> you know, high school gym. bar. Yeah. <laughs> So it's been thrilling just to meet all these guys and, you know, be in the locker room and, you know, I got to go do an eight-man luchador, uh, and, yeah, uh, match down Oh, yeah, if, there, if people haven't seen it, you're doing, like, frog splashes off the top rope onto, <laughs> yeah. like, James Ellsworth. I mean, you're doing big moves here. Yeah, that's, my, that's one of my favorite. That's When I first did that in Mexico, I broke three ribs. <laughs> but I wrestled on the streets of Tijuana, uh, and begging for change it's been this crazy experience and in mexico they treat it so like it's a religion almost they throw coins at you if they enjoy the performance and you have to like if you do something wrong like i was the baby face with the group i was with and then i got all fired up and i started you know clotheslining everybody and then i clotheslined the ref and uh Everyone, everyone, and I had to go and apologize to all the fans. They were like, you gotta say you're sorry. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry. Cause the baby face can't be a heel so much in, in Mexico. Well, so speaking of baby funny. face, bro, 47. Yeah. I mean, if people can see you with the shirt off, Talk you got the baby face. I look, I feel like I'm looking we, at a baby we, face. Brothers, right? Yeah, hey, hey, son! Hey, if we're the rockers, you're gonna have to be Genetti. I'm sorry. I'm gonna have to put you through the window. But my point is, you've been through the wars of Hollywood excess. You've yeah. wrestled. You've done crazy stuff. The wars of Hollywood. You still got it, bro. How are you doing this at 47 with the energy? You're, you got, you're kind of ripped. You got some tats flowing yeah. all over. What's going on here? Yeah, you gotta get in shape. You gotta clean up your act. And, you know, it's, uh, you know, you just, I just, I don't know. I've just been really, uh, I don't know. I've been just training hard and, and really, uh, I just love this business and the sport and the art and the performance of it, really. All right. People are going to want to know what's your end game with this return to wrestling. What are your goals? What are your plans? Is to beat the is, hell out of can Cody you Rhodes. Vince? Oh, Cody Rhodes. Hey, yeah. yeah, to beat the hell out of Cody Rhodes. So then that'll shut everyone up. I mean, if he's one of the toughest guys out there. You know, and they think I'm such a wuss. Or Bully Ray. Uh, you know, I'll t take him down too. I think oh. I'm about to go talk to him. He'll make it real. There's no, there's no, <laughs> that's, this, this is a shoot, brother. No, I know, right? That's the story, right? Because I think I've been talking a lot of trash about him because he was talking trash about me and he didn't let me train in his ring and I was going to rent it. You know what I mean? He's like, I don't need your money. It's like, whoa, like really? You know, and, uh, so, 
I'm about to go see him at Busted Open Radio right oh, now. Nice, nice. So, do you want to be on WWE ever? Because I bring this up. 2010, people forget, you were on Raw yeah. to, to, in a promotional appearance. But I you know, got involved. A... Didn't Randy Orton put you through a table? Yeah, he did. He put me through a table. Was that <laughs> a big, was that a turning point moment for you to want to do what you're doing today? Was, the, did you feel like maybe you killed some of the old demons by doing that and going through that? I was, no, I was, I was in bad shape. I was going through a divorce at the time. So I was in New Orleans and I'd been just going crazy there. So, uh, I showed up with a bunch of little people and <laughs> I was like running a own personal circus. So it wasn't the greatest like representation of me. I like, uh, I don't know. I, I, I should, I don't know. I was like yelling at the audience and I was playing the heel role, but, uh, it was fun to go through the table and it just, <laughs> I get a kick out of it all. I love this business. So if Vince or Triple H call in 2018, I love you, Triple H and, you, and Vince. I love what they're doing at NXT. But yeah, I mean, uh, of course, WWE is like the greatest. I, I would love to just be involved in any way. I mean, that's not really the end game. The end game's uh getting some respect back and and just uh understanding this business. And, well, you've been doing that in the matches, and I mean that legitimately. So man. tell us for a layman, for the guys behind the camera, for people watching, the idea of a flat back bump. You, you, you duck, tuck your chin. They say the first time you do that, most people will never do it again. What the yeah. heck does that feel like? Oh man. If you, <laughs> if you don't tuck your chin. Or no, you, just doing it for the first time. Did, did that give you second thoughts on what the heck am I doing? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, are you just a wild man? It just doesn't matter. No, everything hurts. You know, and I'm old, so it's like doing it over and over again. That's what happened. My elbow I kept like blowing up. And I kept draining it and kept blowing up. Then it got infected and I had to remove my bursa or something. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, you, you say, you know, you, I don't know, you gotta go train. Don't try wrestling unless you really train. Who are you and a lot of people, it'll get you right out of it because, you know, if you throw up the first couple times, or at least I did, you know, you, uh, you know, you, there's concussions obviously and, and you're slamming your head down. I don't know. It's well, not it's, a joke. You really have to like love it to want to do it. Who have you been working with? Who can you give a shout out and a plug to? Because your training, it seems to be. Peter Avalon is amazing. PPA all day. He is, uh, one of the up and coming great wrestler from, uh, championship wrestling from Hollywood, championship wrestling from Arizona. He, he's even behind that promotion there. He's amazing. I got to, uh, go to the Santino Brothers and train with Tyler Bateman one time, Scorpio Sky one time. Amazing people just teaching me little different stuff. Royce Isaacs. The, and then, uh, with boxing with Ricky Kies. Oh, he's yeah. an amazing championship boxer. And, uh, Hegan Machado for Jiu Jitsu. So I'm just learning little things like how they all tie into each other. Boxing for sort of getting your stamina going and your cardio. Well, you don't look washed. Undertaker Kane, you look washed. This guy, this guy's oh, still... Undertaker I, Kane? I think I just, just called him up. I think, I, I think we got a tag team right here. Whoa, uh, dude. Not, I got to take you... Not, they're watching, but this is my personal interview. Yeah. I got to hear some Macho Man stories on the filming oh, of man. Ready to Rubble. I know that guy behind the camera needs some Macho Ooh. Man stories. I mean, well, he I got a tattoo scene. recently of Macho oh, Man. Oh, wow. Yeah, man. Can we show this without showing any nudity? I don't know if we can... Show it without showing nudity. All right, we'll, 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 we'll deal with the nudity. Go ahead. We'll deal with some nudity. I think so. Here we go. This is great. This is this is the unveiling right here. Is it on this arm? I don't know which arm. Maybe it was somebody else's arm. Is it right there? Yeah. Oh, Macho Man and Miss oh, Elizabeth. Yeah. Ooh. Oh yeah. So that I is sweet right there. Personally, it's a Sarah. Mar oh, sorry. Uh, Marty and Sarah love wrestling, or Sarah and Marty love wrestling, whatever. They have an amazing podcast, and she drew it. That's fantastic work. And uh, I got it because my wife looks like Miss Elizabeth, and I'm convinced that that I married her because she looks like <laughs> Miss Elizabeth. But uh, when Wait. I met Macho Man, he was like, I was like, Macho Man, I'm such a big fan. I've been such a fan of you my whole life. All things you He does. I do a terrible Macho Man impression. But he talks like that the whole time. It's impossible to do a bad one, by the way. It's impossible. <laughs> and he talks like that the whole time. And I was like, where do you live? I lived down in Florida. But, uh, 
I was like, we just started talking and it was amazing. I was just like, <laughs> so geeked out by, it. but I always, and when I started going through stuff again and when I saw Miss Elizabeth and it was like a splitting image of my wife, I was like, oh my gosh, you know, like it runs deep. It, it runs real deep. And, I, and, uh, and I was always like, Macho Man doesn't treat Miss Elizabeth. Yeah, right. I mean, I loved him, but he was always kind of like had her sit in the corner. That's and, not uh, how you treat a woman. George Steele. George Steele, the animal, knew what was up. Yeah. Now, now, true or false, I've always had a theory. WCW Elizabeth, way harder than WWF Elizabeth. No one ever points that out. It's kind of like when uh, Kelly from Saved by the Bell moved on to now 2-0. I know people you know what I'm talking about right now. Oh, my gosh. Yes. I've always thought to it. I mean, you know, depends on the fashion sense you, you really were into, too. I kind of like a good perm. I don't know. It works. It does work. <laughs> I was trying to talk my wife into getting a perm. She's like, no, no way ever. Like that, people don't do that anymore. It's like, you could do it. It'd be like cool and like retro. She's like, no, no, there's absolutely no way. And I was like, I really have a sickness. With what do you get recognized more for these days on the street? Is it scream? Is it WCW wrestling? Is it celebrity ex-marriages? What is the one thing that people <laughs> scream out? I think it's pretty much scream i mean i don't know people treat me like i'm their buddy so a lot of the time they're like hey how are you you know good to see you again i was like what's happening how are you <laughs> i think that's because you do the the dude role so believably yeah and I, that's a compliment good, you, thank you. you play a lot of dudes in your life I and, do. You, and you're regular you're a regular dude i'm a regular dude i mean yes i am all right, the, the the high school college version of me in the '90s would kill myself if I didn't ask you about a couple of these yes, dude roles. Dude. Man, Airheads, one yeah. of my favorite lines Amazing. of all time. Do you remember that line straight yeah. up? That uh, so you guys are you guys are crazy, man. Yeah. You're all woohoo and shiz nuts. I've been yeah. wanting to say that to you for me yeah. my whole life. Great moment. My favorite movie of all time, though. 1996, Beautiful Girls. You oh, played a, an amazing bit role in an all-star cast, yeah, right? Timothy Hutton, I mean, uh, yeah, Matt, Matt Dillon, Dillon. Wow. Uma Thurman. You delivered again. Thank a line you. that I've repeated. You know the one I'm talking about here? Yeah. You in the, in the, in the tidy whities and, uh, I gotta go take a dump. I mean, it's the best, yeah. it's the best thing of all time. Can you regal me with one story from that shoot? Was it, was that a good moment in, in your early rise? Was it yeah, it was, man. Uh, we were filming. Uh, Minnesota, it was amazing. There's an incredible actor named Max Perlick in it, who's just hilarious guy who loves music. We were playing, uh, albums all the time. Uh, it was just a really funny time. I mean, I was such a fan of Matt Dillon's growing up that just working with him, I was all like, <laughs> like, geek it out. He's always like, Matt Dillon, like you're driving around. He's like, just like Matt Dillon. And I was like, I don't know. It was just funny. And then, uh, I don't know. Uh, it was just a really great time. I, I don't then, really have any specific stories. I got the nickname Mellow Bird for some reason. Ooh. Yeah. Could that, could that work in the wrestling game? David, uh, Mellow Bird? Mellow Bird? Bird? <laughs> Maybe. What are you? Mellow Bird could be a good manager's name. Are you using a nickname in, in, in wrestling these days? No. I mean, I was the king, King David Arquette <laughs> on my first, uh, one back, but that was sort of a one-off where I'm, Sort of, uh, on top of the, uh, a podium or pedestal and I'm posing like King David, like, uh, Michelangelo's David. And then RJ City knocked me off. <laughs> they said, they've literally knocked him off his pedestal. <laughs> that was the shining Are moment. Are you using the same WCW theme song? The, uh, the remake no. of We're Not Gonna Take It? No, I've got, I've different. got one. I've got one. And it's cleared, and you guys can use it. <laughs> no, I'll send it to you. But it's a play on, um, it's a it's a play on the uh, ready to rumble line. I say is wrestling's not fake because uh, it's not. I don't know where it is right now. I'm, somewhere in that phone. Somewhere. somewhere in this phone is a song that right, you we'll can. We'll have to wait and hear it when you take on point. Cody Rhodes. I gotta yes. ask you about some upcoming roles you got. You, you're yeah, gonna man. be in the in the film Appalachian. Yeah. Real life portrayal. What's the backstory? Ed Croswell was this, uh, New York State police officer who, who uncovered this, uh, summit, this mafia summit. And he busted 63 mobsters, including Vito Genovese. And, um, and they, they sort of unraveled that 
the uh, mafia is throughout the country and throughout the world after this bust. And they had to, uh, they started the RICO laws after that. And it was just a really pivotal moment for a small town cop to, to sort of bust. It sounds guys. serious. This it is not good. a, excuse me while I take a dump. This is nothing like no, that. This no. is, this is no bro role. No, no, he's, uh, he's, he's serious, but he's sweet. He's small town cop and really fun project. You like playing those serious roles? Just like you, you do well in the heel role in wrestling? Do you like getting yeah. all kinds of... Uh... I like playing different roles. I mean, we all have different parts of our personality, so it's good to explore them. You have some uh, other additional films going on right now. You're a yeah. busy dude. What yeah, I have a film called Mope coming out that's really dark, crazy look at... Uh, it's based on a true story. The uh, There was this... These two sort of, a mope is a, a actor in pornography who's oh, wow. a background sort of person. Man, take your shirt off again <laughs> for this part of the story. <laughs> and he, uh, they like, uh, you know, they're, they're mopes. They're like the bottom of the barrel. And they, this, we call they, those guys fluffers back in the day or can I not <laughs> No, fluffers a again. whole different role. Oh, no, no, no. That's even above a mope. No, they're like the guys, there's like people who get kicked in the nuts in, in some really bad things. It's those guys. It's stuff like that. And, uh, these two guys, they were actual guys and they, uh, one of them freaks out and ends up like, uh, using a samurai's eye sword and killing the other guy. But it's a true story based on a true story and I play a pornography director in that. It's just, it's a really dark film, and but it's kind of funny. I, mean, I think half of our audience is definitely ready for that. Uh, yeah, no, it's great. I also, you're filming this wrestling comeback. What are, what are, yeah. the, what are the, the long-term plans on that? Are we going to see like a cool doc or what are we going to Yeah, see? it's sort of a, supposed to be like a love letter wrestling and just like an exploration of like, well, you know, why did people get so mad at me? And, and uh, you know, what is it about wrestling that people love so much and, you know, I go to Diamond Dallas Page for advice and, you know, I go down to Mexico to train with luchadors and see different stuff. And, you know, the whole thing's been a bit of a journey. So it's been interesting. I mean, the whole road, the hard thing is that acting roles have been kind of, you know, they it's hard to make a date for something in February now for me because I don't know. So I might have to just show up places and just be a surprise thing. Well, keep April clear for NXT TakeOver. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, Triple H. You know, you know my number. Well, you've already called out Cody Rhodes. I've already called out Nicholas for you, maybe even Kane and Undertaker. <laughs> but WWE put out a video of you at NXT TakeOver this August at SummerSlam backstage. Look like you were enjoying it. Yeah, man. almost sound like you called out Brock. You didn't necessarily say, hey, Lesnar, your tattoo kind of looks like a dong. I said, not him. <laughs> but but, but you, 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 you kind of came close there. I mean, would, yeah. you, would you take an F5 for the sake oh, of, yeah, the, of the love of the sport? Yeah, of course I would. I'm not scared of anyone. That's the funny thing. You know, people like try to make me out as such a punk. I'm not as afraid of you. None of you. Wow. Wow. David Arquette bringing hot fire. Except maybe to Vince CBS McMahon. Sports. I'm a little afraid of him. I would, I would still, I think he still got it. I would, I would still be afraid of that guy yeah, in yeah. the weight room anywhere else. But, uh, you look great. Hey, thanks, you, you, bro. You're doing a lot of big projects. You're doing a lot of great charity work yes, as well. Always. I mean, yes. you know, this is, uh, a well-rounded renaissance man here at, right, at, at 47, turning back, fighting back, to, kicking out on three in the aging battle. Oh, right? man. I love, uh, talking to such a fan and such a professional right here. Thank you so much. We out. Oh, wow. Adam Silverstein, the Silver King, let me welcome you in. David Arquette, WCW royalty on this pod. Or is he the WCW scapegoat? What do you think about hearing this guy all these years later, 18 years later, in fact, jumping in the deep end of the damn wrestling pool all over again? It's good. You know, I feel like he, I know he wants, it sounds like he wants to be a face. He sounds like an old heel who wants to be a face, wants to be beloved by wrestling fans. Um, but he can't get rid of the heel tendencies. <laughs> like just randomly like, Oh yeah, Cody, I got a, I got an issue with Cody. And you know, blah, well, blah, that's uh, not money. That was Hogan like, yeah. by the way, to, to jump back into yeah. the Indies and then on our show go, Hey Cody, let's, let's do, you, you cheat all the time. Let's do some business. Yeah, for sure. Um, so no, I, you know, listen, I thought it was really, really cool to hear from him. Um, and for it to be a wrestling focused interview, you know, a lot of times if you want to interview a celebrity or an athlete about wrestling, it's like, well, we have, and we did certainly promote some of his stuff, but you know, let's talk about this stuff for 20 minutes and then you can ask three wrestling questions at the end. This was a wrestling interview 
with David Arquette. I found that extremely well, interesting. You know, fourth wall removed on that. You just nailed it. Normally it's like, hey, can you ask about these five things? And then you can have the rest of the time for yourself. This time was like in bold letters from his PR team. We'd love if you talked about wrestling. And I think what that shows you is, you know, whether you're going to mark this as a joke or desperation or or he's insane and, and maybe there's marks of all three of those things in this comeback, it's for real. It, it Like, for anyone that hasn't looked it up, in the past three, four months online, you can see him in these matches. He's either wrestling or teaming with an indie wrestler named RJ City a lot, but he had that tag team match against James Ellsworth and Frank the Clown. And now, I mean, the, the day this... The day after I recorded that podcast last week, he had a run-in at a Northeast wrestling show that uh, Kenny Omega and uh, and uh, Ray Phoenix apparently had a match of a, of a lifetime that I got to check out there in Poughkeepsie, New York. And this guy's trying to make a big splash back in. And here's what I'll say about this. I don't know, if you, Adam, if you've had a chance to see any of his recent work. Certainly, he's an actor trying to be a wrestler. So I'm not going to say he's out there like, you know, Kenny Omega Jr. But it's not a, really a joke. Like, he's got a thin body, he's in good shape for a 47-year-old actor, but there's certain technique in there. Like, like it seems like he's really trying. This is not a comedic act. So I'm, I'm gonna sit here and give him a round of applause and say, I'm willing to see what happens next. Like, yeah, would he be better off if he ever made it somewhere to be like more of a manager, announcer type of playoff as celebrity? Yes. But as an actual wrestler, we've seen a lot of people try this. It's not that bad. I mean, is this equivalent of Shaq being the best rapper of NBA guys who have tried it? Well, he wasn't, so that's a key note to have there. Um, but no, Shaq was good. Shaq, the first, first one, first one was good. No, he wasn't. He wasn't good. Um, no, I think he gets full, full respect for actually efforting to do it. I don't mean to say the right way, like others are the wrong way, but he's not just going to WWE or Impact and saying, Hey, I'm a star. I want to wrestle. Put me on and, and we'll do, I'll do whatever you say, but put me on the TV. He's doing independent shows. Now, he's getting notoriety because he is a star. He's a celebrity. So people obviously are then taping him, putting it on Twitter, promoting it. And he obviously has a PR team to help him forward to tell people, hey, I'm David Arquette and I'm wrestling. But other than that, he's not just trying to skip, you know, skip his way to the top or, or skip his way to the big time like he certainly did back in WCW. But again, that was understandable. It was promotion. They made a movie, so on and so forth. So... You know, full respect for what he's doing. Um, from what I've seen, the clips passable. Certainly, worse. There's worse independent wrestlers than David Arquette. Yeah, he's doing um, frog splashes off the top rope onto the floor. The guy's going yeah. for it. You heard about his injuries there. Yeah, but I do think that should he make his way to an Impact or to a WWE, and I single out those two because Ring of Honor. I mean, you know how I feel about that. And plus, I, I don't think they would ever utilize him in any good way. Um, I, his role would be as a manager who can take bumps as a, uh, Harvey Wimpleman, Jim Cornette type of dude who, you know, I'm saying, a, I'm, I'm saying a mesh between those guys. Yeah. Obviously. The doctor they're, they're, style slicks. So they're very different. They're very different. Um, who can take bumps, who's great on the mic and who can get people over, especially as heels. And I think he does have a future doing that and if he wants it. And there's a little bit of, I think, Andy Kaufman in his voice when he's cutting these uh, promos because it sounds like there's like anger in, in there. But I don't think it's like a full on comedic act. I think he's trying to go a little bit more next level with it. So I'll give him that credit. See what happens. I mean, it's low yeah. level indie, but then again, indie's hot right now. Everything's hot right now. This guy was at all in. This guy can hear Jimmy. It seems like he understands where the Indies yeah, are well, right John, now. John Mayer was also at all in. I don't see him getting in the squared circle anytime soon. Oh, how dare you? How dare you? But look, Brandy has asked this question to a lot of us, you know, in recent months on the show. I'm all in. Are you all in, Brian? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Come on, Brandy. Yeah, Brandy. Oh, wow. Come on. I, I, see, I, again, I still wonder, you know, if, the, if I just missed the, the, the key there. Was she not talking about wrestling and I didn't I No, didn't you notice. didn't miss anything. Oh, man. Oh, Sorry, Brian. Well done, You're wa- You're washed, man. Well yeah. done, Cody. You're washed. You're washed wearing again two two sweatshirts with a space heater in a basement hey, of, a of Connecticut is house. A WrestleMania uh, thirty three sweatshirt. That's the free one. That's, That's the free one, one that came in the goodie Orlando. bag. And let me reiterate, by the way, listeners out there, if you're listening to the show and you also own a hockey or football jersey with WrestleMania on the chest of it, burn the damn thing and don't listen yes. to our show anymore. Thank you. That's the line the way, I'm going to draw in the sand. If you're on that side of the line and you're buying hockey jerseys with wrestling logos on them, you're done. You're done. I, I don't know if I, I don't know if you saw my Twitter. I know I think I messaged it to you on Slack. I was 
for a good 15 minutes, pretty depressed over the over the last week, that I broke a piece of merch. Uh, my dog yes. broke a piece of merch that I got. And honestly, I think it's one of the best wrestling-related items I have, and they do not sell it anymore. I, at WrestleMania in New Orleans, uh, they sold these sugar skulls. You saw them probably on Twitter on the WWE shop that were painted. One was painted like purple, green, and white. I bought that one. But the other one was Saints colors, black and gold with shiny gold speckles and stuff. And they look incredible. It's very New Orleans, but also very wrestling. Yeah, someone it's got would a Papo Shango feel to it. It does. It really does. And it's sitting on a console table in my house. And my, I was playing catch with my dog. He ran into the table, knocked it off, shattered in a thousand people, uh, pieces. And I went online immediately because I was like, oh, it was 20 bucks. I'll buy another one. Cannot find it. That's not thing. on eBay. Dude. Not on WWE Shop. No. All right. I'll give WWE Shop credit for res- not not in direct response to my complaints over the years, but I have made these complaints to WWE, by the way. They've created that new custom part of their website cool. where they do have some vintage shirts. The problem is they're all like $27. But my point is sometimes these things come available and they're gone when they're gone. The Y2AJ, the, the probably the biggest shirt right now I regret not getting. Dude, you'll never see one again. They're gone when they're gone. Right now you can get on WWE Shop a big cast stuffed pillow. Like a, like a pillow person, like a giant blown up pillow with Big Cass's gross looking face and exterior on it for like six bucks. I don't know how I didn't buy that the other day. You will never see that thing again, uh, ever after, after the last one's gone. So a fair, a pretty fair representation of Big Cass these days. Wow. You sent me that picture of him on the indie scene as Big Cass. Wow. Wow, bro. Wow. <laughs> I mean, not to just pile on the guy, but like, wow. Like, wow. I don't even know. I saw someone, that. someone, uh, someone tweeted it. And they, they, someone replied with a very funny message, and I don't know any of these people, so I'm sorry if I'm not giving credit. Uh, but someone said, he's just cultivating mass, wait until he cuts. Oh. And I'm like, no, he's... <laughs> we, got we got a couple of haters, yes we do, Enzo. Alright, uh, so yeah, let's wrap up the, uh, top, uh, when every, yeah, everyone knows, so like twice per year, WWE Shop will hit you with that $3 t-shirt sale. And, and my wife was like, what is this damn charge? I'm like, wife, it's the twice per year. So I got my TJ Perkins tea. I'm really fired up right now. Oh I, I got my DIY. I got my yep, yep, yep. All $3 each. I'm fired See, up. See, I know you think, I know you think your collection's great. I, I, I hope for an ironic reason. Well, yeah, but, but it, I, I, it's I'm, kind of, it's kind of bad though. Well, I'm an irony dealer. That's why I don't mean dealer like I'm selling and trading. I mean, I have a drawer full of about 75 retro NBA uniforms and I try to get, I got the Cherokee Parks Dallas Mavericks ones. I mean, I got some Random classics, the Yinkadare, the Sean Bradley. I mean, I got, I got, I got the goods there. So one day my vaudevillian shirt, which it already is, kind of, <laughs> kind of feels special, by the way. Vaudevillain, sorry, villains, villains, it's all the damn same thing. Vaudevillain shirt. You are the, you are the person who bought one. I am, I am the person. And I, the and I, person. But, so the I'll tell you one. what, even I have limits though. In when I saw that No Way Jose shirt with a stop sign on it for $3. <laughs> Even I couldn't press the button to pick okay, it to, to purchase it, all right? By all the way, right. a lot of people had my side uh, in our conversation last week about AJ's merch being terrible. Well, I don't know if you noticed that. There not were like only is that notion incorrect, but if you don't believe that people took his side, he has the list of printed out uh, DM slides and tweets in front of him just in case. See, it's funny that you, you make fun of me for that. And I always, I'm going to take issue with it since we have time. This isn't a regular episode. Um, here's the thing. You write down and print out soliloquies to give to try to make your point. We had an episode that coming into the episode was billed as a debate between me and you. Not only did I not get to debate, but the printed list that you criticized, I didn't even get to read from it. So it's funny that you mention it. That was a Costosian move. The, The damn Greek jumped right in there. By the way... I have. He did I, try to insert himself into that where it was unnecessary. By the way, well, he pulled a Hogan that episode. By the way, let's not forget that he smelt the money. He pulled a Hogan he and he jumped right in the middle of this NWO and was like, "I'm going to be a part of this." So I just want. Can you call that pulling a Hogan, or is that now pulling a Cody? Oh, get out of here! How dare you? How dare you? Cody tell me is he didn't, leading. Tell me he didn't do that. Cody is leading. Well, he okay. You know what? I will say fair. Point. Tell me I'm wrong. Tell fair wrong. point. If you're going to compare him to the Hogan joining up with everyone else and and you can make the argument that hall and nash as nwo wouldn't have worked unless they had hogan you know as the face well it wouldn't have worked as well wouldn't work as well and can you say with the elite and the bullet club and the being the elite and the all-in would that not have worked the same if cody's name wasn't there well i think i think that's i I think being the elite and all that probably would have but all in would certainly wouldn't have happened without him and whatever the next step wouldn't have happened with all right so i'll give this so he was smart but the point is um a lot of people know 
Nick Costos has moved from um right near the beach. Right near the beach. Boy, yeah, there it is. All right. Boy. Okay, we got it. To uh to Stanford, Connecticut, the home of WWE to work in our new CBS sports office, and I visited him there last week. Look, he's a busy man. I said, look, you're going to come back on our show, but it's it's tough right now. You know, him and I are mending our own relationship. We're mending his relationship with the show. He did want me to give the fans a message that one day he'll be back, but we can't. It's not like we can believe this guy. All right. What What's grown more, the hair or the ego? Uh, it, it's probably an even race right now between his okay. hair, his hair, and his. Because he has like a palm on top, like it's big. Yeah, but I, I saw him. Look, we we tried to mend. We embraced. We shook hands. I did give him the DX crotch chop from across the office, and then he gave me a lecture about there being an HR person present that was not appropriate. So, look, it <laughs> happened. All right, if anyone's listening, it did happen. I take full responsibility. We got to put this ship back on the tracks and talk about David Arquette. So, I want to tell you this. We did. I was surprised, and I appreciated his openness in this interview. I appreciated him putting it all out there. I yeah. will say this. It, you can connect the dots, and it makes sense why he's back now at 47 and doing this, because I was very surprised at how affected he was in the last 18 years of essentially becoming the scapegoat for the death of WCW and the biggest running joke in wrestling over that time. Look, when anything happens in wrestling that's ridiculous – Right away, you're going to compare it to Arquette, right? And he sees that in those tweets, and he's really mad about it. Like, I thought he would be in a spot where he's like, ha-ha, whatever, I was an actor who tried to promote a film. Who cares? I'm making money. I'm cashing checks. No, to this day, if you go on his Twitter account, he's still jabbering back and forth at people who are making fun of him. Like, it's still real to him, damn it, in all the ways that it kind of is real for me and you pushing 40, doing a friggin' wrestling podcast. This guy really loves the damn business. I never would have guessed, Adam, that he's that offended by this. I thought this was more of like, I'll capitalize on my name. I still like wrestling. No, he's, this is a, this is a redemption song. He's doing this to try to clear his good name in history. First of all, how dare you group me in with your age bracket? You are 40. You're not pushing 40. I'm not even 35. Yeah, you're washy, though. There's there's washed elements. I'm washed as hell, but I am nowhere near as washed as you. I don't wear two sweatshirts in my basement to tape a podcast. Let's get that out there. There's no basements in Florida. People know this. Come on. Also, sure, I wouldn't do it in an attic either. Um, But the truth is, is I never considered him the death of WCW ever. Well, a lot of people do. The, the booking decisions over a course of a year to 18 months were the death of WCW, him being champion and devaluing that title to such a massive degree was definitely one of them. But in the interview, what I heard from him was he's like, I know it's not me. It wasn't my fault, but it was the booking decision fault. But I'm still the one that had to be the face of it all. That's the thing. That That's the issue. It's not. He he didn't force himself to become WCW champion. WCW decided that to promote a film and to try to gain some steam that they were going to make him world heavyweight <laughs> champion, big gold belt. He could have been TV champion. He could have been in a tag team. They could have done a million other things. But they decided to give him the big gold belt, and that is just a slap in the face to wrestling fans. So if they want to take it out on him and joke with him and crap him with him on Twitter, he needs to really accept that because – he, it's a, it's a notable moment in professional wrestling history that on the decline of WCW, they gave the biggest title maybe ever, unless you count the WWE championship, which I do as being bigger to him. Yeah. There's no, there's no, there's no way it's around. Like, I guess I can tell for the most part what I'm being worked and played and the time I spent with him last week. It's real to him. Like he's Oh no, ups- it does seem real. It does he's seem real. upset. Yeah. And by the way, he was a really cool dude. Is he a little bit blown? Yeah. Am I blown? Yeah. Is he a little bit, a little bit washed? Yeah. But, but he's funny. It, it he's taking this serious and we got to put into context where WCW was when they put the belt on him. Okay. Vince Russo was in charge. And again, I love me some Vince Russo, bro, in terms of the character he's created for himself over the years. But I mean, he's makes a lot of mistakes. I'm, bro. I'm not covering for those mistakes, bro. bro. But I will say that bro. like, I don't listen to his podcast or anything, but when he's a podcast guest on big name ones, I'll listen to it. I'm a, whatever. Vince Russo's cool with me. But did, if anyone killed WCW, it was 100% Vince Russo. Let's be really honest about that. When the title was put on Arquette's waist, this company was in real trouble creatively. They, I mean, they had brought back Bischoff as a panic move and offered him like a lot of money to come back. And Bischoff on his own 83 Weeks podcast, which is fantastic, will tell you there were certain decisions he had to let go because you can't fight Vince Russo on everything every minute. Now, of course, 
look, Bischoff's going to paint himself as the hero and all that. So you can, you, you know, there, there's, there's heroes and villains and all that you can decide for yourself. But like this one move was a Vince Russo move and Arquette, let's, my, let's, let's, let's keep score at home. Told DDP, no, I don't want to do this. This is bad for business. And they did it anyway. And two, something I didn't get to ask him. I ran out of time, but DDP claims that David Arquette gave every dollar he earned through those appearances for WCW, including the pay-per-view, to the families of Brian Pillman and Owen Hart, which is a... I did not know that. ...class move. I didn't get up to him to confirm it, unfortunately, but it was a class move, if that's true. It can, it just doubles down on showing you that this guy cares about the business. He's not Jay Leno coming in. And mind you, the Jay Leno joke, WCW was still... They were losing the war to WWE at that time. But the Jay Leno run, which was coincided with Rodman, Carl Malone, like that was that whole summer of 98, they were still in play as the Claire number two trying hard. By 2000, there was questions if this company would survive. I mean, the, it was, was bad. Was there a match? Was there a, I know there was a match with Rodman and Malone. Was there a match with Leno and another celebrity? Yeah, it was Leno and I believe DDP in a tag match against Hogan. And of course, the problem was that Leno put Hogan in an arm bar and just kept ringing it and Hogan oversold the crap out of it. And look, that summer of 98, <laughs> WCW's creative was going downhill. They're, they were still making huge money. They were just behind WWE. I was a giant fan that summer of 98. Look, I cringed during that Leno match, but I'm not going to lie and say that wasn't fun. Like that, like, you know, with them being on the Tonight Show and taking over the show, like there was some fun moments during that stretch, but that was a really bad moment. The Rodman stuff was actually pretty good with Carl Malone, but look, this is two years later when this thing happened. And I'll be really honest with you. I was out of both WCW and pro wrestling for the most part by 2000 because I felt the war had been over and I felt the, that. To be honest, both products were going in the wrong direction. Now, in hindsight, WWE still had it in 2000. Oh, yeah. They had it in 2001. I mean, you know, they had it for a while. But in terms of me being a devouring every second of product, I kind of fell off pretty hard there. So I wasn't watching when Arquette won. Him winning it did bring me back to be like, what the hell is going on here? And, yes, the whole thing at that time, it was cringeworthy. It was. I remember, I remember Arquette winning. So I, I was never a WCW watcher. Now during the Monday Night Wars, um, I did flip back and forth, but before the wars began, before I did watch the first ever Nitro and I did watch the, I think I saw the episode where, um, Hall and Nash debuted in the crowd. And so I think, I think that's where I started, but I was a flipper. I watched WWE and I would just either tape on actual tape. Nitro or see what was happening or find out after and, you know, whatever. But at that time, I was even more into wrestling and I started watching it a little bit more. And I vividly remember like tuning into WCW from like 2000 to like 2001 and like putting it on for three minutes during a commercial break and like as a young kid. Shaking my head and being like, "This is it was deplorably bad." There's no excuse so, for it. The so fact he, that he Sting and Flair stuck through it is just hard to tackle. I mean, because well, yeah, Sting should have left. Sting really should have left. Because I mean, the bro in this case that we're talking about, Vince Russo, like wrote in angles where he would break into Flair's house, and actually Charlotte Flair was in those scenes, right? And yeah, would she like, was. I mean, yeah, like there was. was some bad, and that's not even going to the level of where they went, which is like Viagra on a pole, Judy Bagwell Dude, on a pole. It was, I yeah, mean. <laughs> Judy Bagwell on pole. You know, Gene it was, Oakland it was Mar- so bad. Mark Madden in matches. The only thing redeemable about that run, and I talked to Arquette about it, was how hot, uh, late life drug problem Miss Elizabeth was with WCW. She was in a rough place in her life with Lex well, WCW started doing something. Hot still. WCW started doing something at that time where they thought everyone watching was smarks. So they started bringing every person's name who fans knew behind the scenes onto TV. Like Ed Ferrara was on oh, TV yeah. at one point. And like other guys it like that. It was meta on top of meta. It was bad. It and, was bad. And you want to talk about Arquette devaluing the title? Um, go back and look at that lineage. The title literally changed hands every six days. I'm not yeah. joking. And it would be vacant for, for a week. Then the next week somebody else would win it. I mean, it was bad. The, the, the beloved Miss Elizabeth that we talked about in this interview, she was even doing, she had a run of matches. That was bad. That was just bad. TV. By the way, by the way, uh, two things. One, Vince Russo, we can give him credit and he deserves it, but. Vince Russo with Vince McMahon's thumb on him was good Vince Russo. Yes. Vince Russo with no one looking over him except for maybe standards and practices in WCW, which became a thing, obviously, that was a big part of that as well. Him versus standards and practices. Unhinged, not good. He needs to be met or he needed to be fully managed for it to work. And he also lucked into 
WWE superstars, those guys being able to cut promos and build their, their own characters, The Rock, Steve Austin, right. Undertaker, guys that were truly professional and learned how to do it from McMahon, not just WCW guys who got paid a lot of money and were like, all right, write me something. And oh, by the way, I get to override anything you write because it's written into my contract. You know so there's there's two very different Vince Russo. No, and it was perfect timing in the business. Certainly had good ideas, but let's he was the equivalent of the rhythm guitarist on one of the greatest bands ever, and then said rhythm guitarist who was able to toss in a couple songs that he wrote here and there, able to put a good guitar part in, able to come up with good ideas on names of songs, and then he gets thrown out of the band for drug use and goes solo. And his career bottoms out and bombs, and people are like, "Oh, he doesn't have it when he's not with those guys." I mean, that's that's equivalent there. By the way, since we probably will never have an opportunity to mention Jay Leno's name again on this podcast, and I hope we never do, Jay Leno sucks. David Letterman all the way. That's my stance. That's the Silver King stance on the late night wars. In case anyone ever wanted to know. Yeah, yeah, all hundred percent, hundred. Not even close. Jay Leno is like uh, Dave got Dave got screwed. Should have got the job. Yes. But Jay Leno plays to middle America, not to smart, snarky, smarky people like us. So middle Whatever. America loves his crappy jokes. And that's the end of that conversation. Um, when, when David Arquette got off the elevator, so there's a real moment. He comes right up to me, stares into my eyes. And I'm thinking to myself, this guy like 10 times more blown than I thought he would be and goes, brother, we're doppelgangers. What are you, my brother? You look just <laughs> like me. And I was like, whoa, whoa. All right. Either that means I'm now part of the Arquette Royal acting family, which includes or, hot stuff, Rosanna and Patricia from back in the day, or, or, or maybe he thinks I'm blown or maybe as our own Denny Burkholder had said in our Slack chat, maybe he thinks I'm championship material, you know, maybe WCW. <laughs> Either way, uh, interesting moment right there from my guy, but no, we, we broed, we broed out afterwards. David Arquette and I, Bros right now. Am I all in, Brandy? Yes. Is he? Yes. We're both all in. Wow. Hey, what if Brandy wasn't? No, we're getting off the topic. We're getting off that topic. We're getting off that topic. <laughs> Take a shower. Hit the weights. Get a clue. All right. All right, Kevin Nash. Um, so I wonder where this is going to go, this David Arquette thing, because he talked about juggling. It's hard. He wants to do wrestling all the time. He's got all these acting gigs, which are seem to be smaller than his heyday of Scream and all that, but... uh uh, can you ever see him ending up on WWE? Because he did go through a table on Raw in 2010. Could you see him having a Jon Stewart moment? What do you see in his future? I think we see him in WWE at some point. I don't know when, and I don't know how. And I think there's a chance he actually gets into the WWE Hall of Fame. Because even though... Whoa, whoa, what? Well, yeah, because the celebrity wing. The celebrity wing. Because even though he isn't a WWE celebrity or has not been to this point. I think there's the chance that, that if he fun. does get a run, he's a WC. He's a world heavyweight, okay. former world heavyweight champion. I, you just took me from hatred. Like what the hell are you talking about? And then I instantly remember that like Snoop Dogg's in and Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. And I'm like, you know what? He's got a better resume than all those like, guys. Like in Arnold this Schwarzenegger list. was presented like a Navy, which by the way, I wish they actually used a Navy, like WWE title in the ring by Vince one time. Right. David Arquette actually won the big gold belt as a celebrity. You can, you're going to keep him out? Like, I think I think there's a, a, a scenario where they can put together something that culminates at a WrestleMania with him managing someone, a la person's name who I won't mention, and that gets him into the Hall of Fame that year or the following year. Who is person's like name you, you won't mention? If you lose, oh, I'm that guy. shave oh, your my God. head. All right, I didn't know if you were going Benoit on me. I was, I was, I was no. like, who can we not mention anymore on the show besides? No, I, I'd rather say Chris Benoit's name. There's only a few names that we we really don't want to mention anymore on the show and refuse to mention them. If you put the letter S in front of Hitman, you've had my exact opinion of Bret Hart. Oh, and then the guy Edge too. No, he's he's dead to me. Edge is dead to me. I'm sorry. I said. Well, it. Brett, don't forget, Brett never banged Sonny. That is. <laughs> There's definitely truth. I mean, Brett tells the truth. I'll uh, just say for the record, I was not banging Sonny. All right. He should have, probably should have in retrospect. Um, final question as we wrap out of here. Um, you watched movies in the 90s and 2000s. You were probably a young dude. You got any, yeah. uh, any favorite David Arquette moment or we're just going to bag this thing? Um, man. Deputy Dewey Riley had a run there. Okay. No. What, what, um, there's some, there's a movie you mentioned in the interview that, Rang home to me. He was in Airheads, beautiful girl. Airheads, that's what it was. Yes, he was Dude, the star DJ. Yeah, yeah, he had a good run there. I mean, we all watched the Scream movies. He was in Buffy the Vampire Slayer too in '92. Probably no, Airheads. Airheads. I lo- I thought he was great in Airheads. That movie's underrated, by the way. 
No one talks about it. I don't think kids these days have even seen it. Great movie. All right. That will wrap it up. Special thanks again to David Arquette for joining us. Being real. Still real to me. Still real to him. I mean, that's our guy right there. No question about it. Hey, follow us on the interwebs. Of, as you already know, our address is there. And also check out our regular Wednesday pro wrestling edition on the CBS Sports podcast here as we preview all things Survivor Series. Wow. It's time, Adam. It's that time of year that snuck up on me. Damn Survivor Series coming at us out of nowhere. It's here. Check out our Boxeo edition on Tuesday. Adam, this was a bonus episode. This was fun. Any... Bonus message for people out there? Uh, just two words. Buenos nachos. <laughs>